time for Taking Care of Business on Midlands 103. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Hello and a very good evening to you. It's Tuesday the 16th of January. I'm Ronan Berry and this is Taking Care of Business. Coming up on the show this evening, Vanessa Loyola from Valley Automation Mullingar will be here to talk about business transformation through robotics and automation. Vanessa has a huge amount of experience in that area and like a lot of technology we use in our daily lives, in business, in work, we probably underutilise that technology significantly. So there are great gains to be made. Find out that story is coming up very, very shortly. Sandra Doyle from the Leash Offley Education and Training Board will be here to talk about record numbers of people signing up for apprenticeships last year and to take us through a range of new courses that would be coming available throughout 2024. And Paddy Matthews, Head of our Ireland's Hidden Heartlands with Fall to Ireland will detail the EU Just Transition Digital Transformation Programme and the Tourism Learning Network Programme, key tools for all eligible businesses in the tourism sector in the Midlands. And we all know that's a sector that has featured in a lot in the news since the start of the year, particularly when it comes to talking about the challenges that are in that sector. So that will be touched upon throughout the show this evening. And of course, something I'll put to Minister Neil Richmond as well this evening, because he will be my first guest on the show, because Leash Offley in Westmead saw positive job creation by local enterprise office companies last year, a trend reflected nationally, of course. Neil Richmond, is a TD, was appointed as Minister of State at the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment with special responsibility for employment affairs and retail business at the, um, on the 13th of January uh, last year. Uh, Neil Richmond joins me now. Uh, very good evening to you, Minister. Good evening, Ronan. Thanks for having me on. Uh, take us through some of these numbers that, we've, uh, that have emerged in the last couple of days. Another highly positive year for our local enterprise offices. Well, the main national num- number, Ronan, is that last year, 6,640 new jobs were created by companies that are clients uh, of local enterprise offices across the state. We have local enterprise offices in every single county uh, across Ireland. They're all working inside and alongside the local county and city councils. Just more specifically to the Midlands, Ronan, we saw in Leash last year, we saw 100. 100- 43 new jobs created in Offaly, 235 new jobs created, and in Westmead, 208 new jobs created. I was very lucky to spend some time with the Leo team in Mullingar before Christmas, and the work that they're doing there, the profile of the clients they're working in, they're really, really exciting. Yes, these are generally small companies, they're small enterprises, they're micro enterprises, but they're the start of something. And what these numbers that we announced today in job creation, what the really encouraging thing is every year for the last 10 years, we've seen jobs created by Leo client companies. We've seen net jobs created. We've seen gross jobs created. This is so important to see job creation across the country. And the final point of that is that 82% of these jobs created were created outside of Dublin. And of course, it's the 10th year of consecutive job, job growth for Leos too, which is phenomenal by any standards. But last year, the, the brief that the Leos, in terms of the companies they can now uh, work with, that was uh, expanded widely. Can it take us to some of the key points of that? Because that undoubtedly is going to make even more impact over the coming years. It's, you know, it was a really important decision. And it's one that the local enterprise offices themselves, as well as their client companies, asked for. Previously, once a company had got to 10 employees, they were cut loose and they were kind of weren't able to rely on the support and advice and courses that Leo offered. But a lot of those companies then were simply too small 
or didn't meet the criteria to become clients of Enterprise Ireland, which of course is the other state agency that supports companies who are predominantly in manufacturing manufacturing and exporting and have over 50 employees. So now companies with up to 50 employees can be clients of the local enterprise office. They can take advantage of the very many resources that are available, as I said, training courses, business mentoring, both from officials in the local enterprise office as well as other business people who are feeding back into into community growth, but they can also receive grants to help them upscale in terms of making their business more digital savvy, in terms of making changes that will allow them to be more efficient when it comes to dealing with energy and climate awareness. It's a really, really important service and the best thing about a local enterprise office is they are rooted in their communities. They are located physically within the local authorities. They are able to cooperate with local chambers of commerce, local business groups. More importantly, those clients of the local enterprise offices, they cooperate with each other. They might find new clients or simply advice or someone to bounce ideas off. So it's a really good, as we call, a really good ecosystem uh, for job growth, for business growth. And that's why it's been so important that in, in bridging that gap and moving to a 10th year of growth that we expand those companies that can stay with Leo because that means we actually make them far more sustainable going in the future to make sure that these businesses last and grow in a, in a sustainable manner. And amongst all the positivity of the figures that were released and within the report, it still highlights some of those challenges that are particularly being felt by small and micro-enterprise businesses. Um, all things around, you know, filling staff vacancies and maintaining existing staff. It's a challenge that's been around for a long time too. Are there any, is there anything that can be done with that or, or how specifically can the department or even the Enterprise Ireland or the Leos react to that? Because it definitely is, I mean, we're hearing it across the Midlands since the turn of the year as well. Lots of small businesses, unfortunately, um, closing their doors. Well, staff is a big issue, not just um, in Ireland, but it's across the European Union. I just spent three days last week in Belgium with other employment ministers from across the EU, and every single country is having an issue with labour shortages. So we, we are taking action, though. The first thing that we did, and it is a short-term measure, but it's an important one, just before Christmas, I announced the largest ever expansion of our work permit system, adding 43 different occupations to the eligible list where companies can bring in staff, bring in talent from outside the European economic area. We provided new resources to help um, the long-term employed and indeed those from perhaps more marginalised communities access the labour markets. Those are people perhaps with disabilities or who come from a migrant or indeed refugee background. We made the change previously where people who are seeking asylum in this country can now work after six months, which is really important because so many of these people who are fleeing really difficult situations come with really strong experience and indeed qualifications. But in, in the medium term, Ronan, there's a couple of things we need to do in terms of skills, upskilling. So first and foremost, it's the expansion of our apprenticeship scheme. And Simon Harris announced last week that over 9,000 people have taken up apprentices this year. This will allow our workforce uh, be absolutely tailored towards the future. And one thing I announced yesterday with Minister Harris um, was the creation of 24 new micro-qualifications. So this is where someone who's working for a company, but what the company's doing is changing. The market is changing, be it through artificial intelligence or the need to respond to the climate emergency. And you can do a, a short, sharp course, maybe remotely on four to six week duration alongside your working way to make sure that the staff meet those challenges. But certainly, um, we have to make Ireland an easier place to work in the long term. We have to make the workplace more flexible, more family friendly to ensure that everyone who is in a position work is given 
position to work is given that opportunity. So there's a lot going on. There's not going to be one overnight fix. It's great that we have full employment. It means our economy is motoring along. It means that I can provide another nine, an extra nine million euro to local enterprise offices this year as per the budget. But it does provide the challenge that so many businesses are struggling to find staff. But that's why we've added so many new occupations to the work permit list, be they electrician or motor vehicle mechanic or HGV driver. Absolutely, to try and, and, and get spread that net wider and get that key talent pool in. We, we, when we talk about small businesses, and again, you know, lots of business closures around the Midlands since since uh, since the start of the year, and uh, even yesterday, I think it was published in today's Irish Examiner, Tony to Michal Martin uh, confirmed that um, Finance Minister Michael McGrath was ready to examine the phase payment element of the debt warehousing scheme. Now that seems a, a, sl- a slight change in, in in strategy there. The debt warehousing, of course, first of May this year, that money that's been warehoused is all starting to be called back. In. Is, is it likely, do you think, that we might see a change there? Because certainly the hospitality sector is, is calling out for some, some assistance and some support. Yeah, absolutely. We, we acknowledge that there's rising costs for business and they've been consistently rising. And some of that is down to interest rates. Some of that is down to energy prices, even though they're now starting to come back down. And some of it, the costs, and we acknowledge it, it's due to government legislation. Yes, we are increasing the minimum wage. Yes, we are increasing the right uh, to access sick leave. Um, they are really important things to do to safeguard our economy, to make an attractive place to work, allow businesses to grow, but it does come with a cost. So the first immediate thing that we did, Ronan, is in the next couple of weeks, um, 90% of businesses will be receiving up to €5,000 in a single payment um, in, in, as per the increased cost of business grants. That's a, a €250 million Euro investment from the government. That's a one-off thing, acknowledging that. But debt warehousing is providing a particular challenge uh, in the hospitality sector, those sectors that were closed for so long during the pandemic. Minister McGrath is looking at it. We have to make sure that, yes, ultimately taxes do have to pay, be paid, debts do have to be paid, but we don't want this to have to be the cause of mass closure of businesses. So we, we, do, we are looking at doing it in a, in a phased way. Revenue are engaging with businesses to make sure that there's uh, flexible payment plans in place, but it's certainly something that is of concern. We're not blind to it, nor we're not ignorant of it, and we do recognise that costs are particularly acutely being felt in those high labour sectors. You mentioned hospitality, but equally also the retail sector, the ones that don't perhaps have the, the high margin or lower workforce numbers like some of our larger multinationals. In a lot of that, those sectors, they fall into that category, unfortunately, if you don't miss them till they're gone. But um, speaking of people who have been kind of very vocal about this, I know the Restaurants Association of Ireland are quoted as saying the government is not listening to the concerns of what it says is a sector in crisis. But within all that, is, is some of the challenge there that hospitality is such a broad reaching term and it doesn't maybe, it doesn't speak to all the various types of restaurants, cafes, the way they operate. Like, I mean, if you look around on a daily basis, our, our petrol stations and, and food courts seem to be doing some of the biggest business in hospitality. Is that an issue that it's, it's such a broad definition that maybe it's not allowing for tailored supports to be, to be given? Yeah, and absolutely. And, you know, I reject any assertion that we're not listening because we engage with the representative bodies every couple of weeks, sat opposite the, the CEO of the Rational Association a dozen times in the last calendar year. I've spoken to him on radio shows, I've spoken to him on phone. He, he's a great man for texting me. So there's no way that we're not engaging or not listening. And what I'd say is hospitality is indeed very broad. We see some restaurants are doing exceptionally well, some are struggling. We see some cafes have had a wonderful recovery. The pandemic was a a, a godsend for them, particularly those in suburban areas. We see some hotels and we see the prices in hotels are doing particularly well. There's a difference between a rural pub 
At an urban pub, there's a difference between a pub that provides food. So there isn't one silver bullet simplistic uh, response to this. And I think that's something that we understand in government and what we want to engage with all sectoral interests. And what I want to say quite clearly, Ronan, to all those businesses in the hospitality sector across the Midlands, is we acknowledge that costs are going up and where we can act from a, a government point of view to ensure that businesses can offset those costs or meet those costs we will. Um, we're not going to provide needless lifelines because we have to make sure that these are viable business and that's why when it's government action that is driving costs up and we, we don't run away from that, we'll be there to provide supports and that's why so many businesses, as I said, will be receiving those up to €5,000 grants in the next couple of weeks and why I'll be sitting down uh, tomorrow morning, Wednesday, with Minister Coveney to discuss this further. Mr Neil Richmond, thank you so much for coming on the show this evening. Thank you. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Still to come on the show this evening, record numbers of people signed up for apprenticeship programmes in 2023 and there's a whole host of new courses coming online this year too. So find out all about that from Sandra Doyle from the LOETB in just a short while. And later on then Paddy Matthews from Falch Island, Ireland will talk about some EU Just Transition Digital Transformation programmes and the Tourism Learning Network programme that are eligible and open for businesses in the tourism and hospitality sector. Find out how you can get involved a little bit later. To get involved in this evening's show, of course, as always, you can text or WhatsApp me here 083 103 or if you have something else you'd like to get on the show, business at Midlands 103 is the best way to get me. But introduce my next guest now from Valoy Automation. David, David goal to revolutionise the programming of robotics with a focus on efficiency, safety and profitability. So at the start of the year, if I turned around and said to you business owners, you could look at maybe one area of productivity where your efficiencies could be increased by an average of about 40%. Surely that would pique your interest and you'd say, well, listen, is that something that applies to my business and how could I get involved? Well, I'd like to introduce you to the founder of Valai Automation, uh, Vanessa Loyola. Vanessa, you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business. Hello, guys. Thank you very much for having me here. Vanessa, you have huge industry and experience in manufacturing and quality control, particularly as a programmer and a coder. What was it that compelled you two years ago to go and look at setting up your own consultancy? Well, I've been working in automation for five years now. I'm a robotics programming specialist. Um, and I, I, what I noticed from my past employers that a few old robots, let's say five, ten years old, and like the program, like sometimes um, the program was the issue and even like for changing a few lines on the program, I could save 40% of the time or I even had the case that I changed two lines on the code and I reduced the cycle time of the robot for, from 10 minutes for five minutes just with two lines. So I noticed that there is opportunity there that the old machines that you could increase the efficiency just um, um, looking on the program side, like without changing, doing uh, mechanical upgrades. Of course, if you could replace the robot, that's great, but that's not the case every time. So there are opportunities there to increase the efficiency. And that's kind of, I opened my business to, to help in this way. I could just imagine um, the phone must be hopping off the wall at this age because when you go back, you mentioned there even, like, say, 10 years ago, robots the typical application, like you're probably relatively straightforward, like simplistic robots in some ways, as opposed to massive big high tech. Would that be a fair assumption? Um, like I would say 
all of them, like even from pick and place a box or a welding one, or even the most complex one that polishing, um, all of them, because just imagine if the, if the code was written, written like 10 years ago and everything we learned today, we got better. So you might improve. And I saw that from the codes that I, I, I correct, I improved myself. That was just, let's say, most of the codes was just templates that someone copied from somebody else. And then, like, let's say that they have waiting times. Sometimes you can just look into the robot and the robot's there waiting for something that's not, you know, that is not in your, in your machine. And that could, if you remove let's say five seconds in every cycle time, you can just see how much that could increase by the end of the week, just for five seconds. And, but they'll say, you, you, I can reduce even more than that. Like I have cases that, as I said, I reduced from 10 minutes to five minutes. I even reduce from two minutes to 20 seconds. That's just the way it is. One, is the, one aspect it was the, the way that was coding back 10 years ago and of course the the way the staff are learning because sometimes when the they buy a new machine they don't get the staff trained how to maintain how to keep that robot or or how to keep properly like I worked in a facility that the, uh, the employees learned um, how to uh, change the code then it was I mean from my opinion, was not that great because every time they had a problem, they slow down the machine, <laughs> and uh, the code is not the problem. Like the code should supposed to work for twenty years until the, your robot it's is that like is dead. Like, but unfortunately, because of lack of training, unfortunately they just do what they thought was the best for the robot, and that would re reduce even more your productivity. Yeah, and you end up maybe then using a tool that was initially bought for productivity gains or efficiency gains and now all of a sudden it's probably causing lag and, and delays in jobs. At the starter, you mentioned one thing that would, was almost kind of suggesting that that kind of phrase of this is how we always did it, like so the robot always did it this way. People are, are clearly missing a massive opportunity. Yeah, to improve uh, because uh, I heard that a lot of times. Oh, if it's working, we don't change or we are doing this for 10 years and it's fine. Uh, but just because it's working, that doesn't mean you can improve. Like, as I said, let's say you're producing 10 parts an, an hour. If you increase that to 15, or even if it can double, uh, some cases depends, you could go that far. But I wouldn't say in every case. But even though if you add two parts more an hour, that's, can you imagine by the end of the year how much that could increase you know, productivity without changing anything mechanically, just the program. Like I'm saying here, it's just about the program. Of course, mechanical parts need to be maintained and replaced in once in a while, but not the robot. Once you buy a robot, that should uh, last a couple of decade, decades. Absolutely. Again, I suppose like any machine too, like to, to do the, the required maintenance, but also to be aware of, of what its original capacity was and be able to at least 
assess whether it can still deliver to that level and if not why not when it comes to brands of robots you've worked throughout your career with, with pretty much all the major suppliers um, in terms of the kit that they supply when it comes into working with or changing or tweaking the code are there any barriers put up there by the companies are they relatively happy for people say within a factory facility to actually work and rewrite code is that just a kind of standard practice within robotics and automation um, there's no no not problem with the brands the robot brands because they just have the software who writes the program is the what we call the programmers or the robotics specialist um, some companies might have um, as I said that mentality like it's working for 10 years so we should not change but <laughs> uh, I would I would try at least to see another point there. So the the biggest issue would see I would say is the company who ha who own the robot, not the the brands. The brands they are more than happy because if the customer it's happy with the robot, like there is a big chance that he would buy another one. If he has a lot of headaches with that robot, just imagine like it's the breakdown a lot of times a week or you cannot troubleshooting that robot daily basis. You have hours to call a technician to fix something that should be easy for the operator. That that manager or that owner of that company is not going to buy another robot. Like, he's not happy. So I would say if it's easy to understand, let's say a code that it's easy to understand and troubleshooting that the employee can go there in the morning, the robot didn't start, go through easy steps, basic, I'm not saying to go and fix, <laughs> open the robot arm and fix itself, but just there are a few steps that they could follow and then like just keep going. If that didn't happen, then you call a technician would avoid like t time, of course, the breakdown time and money because when you call a technician uh, from the brand, that costs you more money and, of course, um, time as well because there are not many over there. Is it hard to convince, you know, line managers, business owners that they need your service because are they maybe reluctant to admit that actually, yeah, they've let things slip or maybe there is a problem there? Or do you find that once you kind of pitch your service, people go, wow, we need Vanessa to come in and actually streamline this? Yeah, it's a little hard to convince them that they could improve, especially because of time. Time is the issue because to improve the machine, I need like a few days working on the robot and testing and see, you know, like the best cycle time I can get from it. And let's say I would I would need at least four or five days on the robot. And I would say that's for me is the biggest issue to convince the manager or the owner and say like, okay, can I have the machine for four days to make it better? And then they cannot stop production because, you know, that's money for them. So I would say for me now, that's most um, the issue to convince them to stop for a few days just to get like even more products in the other week than anything else. Because I think they they might see that there is opportunity to to improve and like it's facts like you can see that and as you said before I work in ten years with quality and that's I still apply in everything I do so I know cycle time is not everything like doesn't matter if if you do in ten seconds but the product the quality would reduce of course I keep the same quality of the product that needs to 
to meet the standards of the customer. So this that is the reason that we uh, require a little more time to test and get the same uh, standards, but with less time. Can a say a 10 year old robot be programmed using say modern day code there's no issues there in terms of you know outdated uh, softwares drivers that type of thing within the robot can it be actively used in and I suppose second part of that question is is coding becoming easier now I think I saw a demonstration of a robotic arm one day and it wrote its own code as you positioned it like so is it is it becoming an easier task for employees to say initially write the code for the machines you know before someone like yourself comes in then to kind of regain those earlier efficiencies well uh the first one uh the oldest robot this like uh they update the software every one or two years depends of the brand so they change um a lot of things so what i usually do i we cannot upgrade the software unfortunately it's not our option like you need to kind of replace all the robot arm and the controllers so what i do is just reprogram the robot in that same software just the type of programming let's say the tech the technicals um that i use it's a little bit different so make easier to understand but i would say um it's more the way I code than the software because you cannot upgrade the software. That's not an option, unfortunately. Um, of course, like robots older than 20 years is something that you not might be able to do it because the oldest is the code. Just have in mind, like it's flop disks, just yeah. <laughs> just I to get a, a backup. So I had it, some it's, it's that not that long ago, um, like yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> say I go that further back, like because that's the yeah, as older a... the robot gets, the risk it's bigger to power it off and on again. That's the only point there. But nowadays, yes, the robots is getting easier and easier to program because even that for to sell the robot and of course to people to understand. And like nowadays, I see you can just move around with your hands and press a button and you have the, the position recorded and even the softwares. And they're, they're now they're working on the AI to code the robots and just to make life easier. Um, I saw that the, um, there are options now, for example, for the welding and painting. They have a tool that you pressing the tool around the part and the robot is going to fall that same way. Like you don't need even touch the robot. That's how easy it's becoming now. But that option might not integrate with old robots. Yeah, I think that, yeah. that's a fair assessment. Like, you know, that, like everything, I suppose, if you think of a mobile phone 20 years ago versus what it is now and the, the capability of it and, and everything else, it, it's actually using it as a phone is probably the, the least part of it now. <laughs> what really struck me when I saw that demonstration a couple of months back was it was very similar to coding the kids were doing in school with these little microbots or something. You know, it's the very same kind of setup. So you can see how we're, we're beginning to prepare, prepare kids to be in, in that coding piece as well. Um, it sounds like a fascinating journey in terms of you have you know, your experience in the past has been around the Midlands and manufacturing. The Midlands, you've described as being a hotbed for advanced manufacturing. Are you noticing a huge maybe shift and move towards robotics and automations across all sectors around the region? Yes, like I noticed that they are buying robots not just uh, for palletizing or picking place. There are more options there. The welding now, it's coming with like a lot of strength in the past two years. I'm seeing that everywhere now, even for the trainings that you 
barely see I used to see welding trainings and robots now everywhere you can find it and I think the 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 boom let's say for what it is what you can do with the robots it's growing so people now have in mind that you can use the robot to any repetitive task that you have in your your facility doesn't need to doesn't mean that need to be pick and place a box or a pallet can be inspection the parts can be vision system can be the welding like i saw that a lot of times because um for the welding parts especially uh, specifically for example um you have to weld like hundred parts a day but like if there's a person that's taking yeah it's it's removing I mean from a health and safety perspective it's moving a huge amount of manual handling tasks too which can only be better and I think like what what robotics and automation are showing over the last 10 years you know contra the earlier belief that they were going to replace humans they're allowing the humans to work on that more value add work like the quality stuff and the inspections if you want to find out more about Vanessa's company it's valoy.ie v-a-l-o-y.ie or check and check them out on LinkedIn because today I believe they hit 30,000 followers on LinkedIn that's no mean feat as well (laughs) Vanessa thank you so much for coming across to the studio this evening and introducing your company and uh Absolutely sounds like you've found the niche, you've carved out a niche there. So again, if anybody's looking for Vanessa, you'll find her on LinkedIn or you'll find her at valoy.ie. Thanks, Vanessa. Thank you. Time now for a quick break. After that, apprenticeships, record number signed up for them last year. And there's lots of new courses coming on stream in 2024. Find out all about that in just a couple of moments. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Last week, ministers... Uh, not, uh, Simon Harris and Niall Collins announced record numbers of taking up apprenticeships in 2023 and they also announced some details of a significant expansion of the apprenticeship scheme planned for this year. To find out more about these record numbers and try and get a sense of what's actually driving those, I'm delighted to be joined by Sandra Doyle, Sandra's Senior Training Advisor on Apprenticeships at the Leash Offaly Education and Training Board. A very good evening, Sandra. Uh, good evening to you, Ronan, and to all your listeners. Um, very positive news last week, um, because for uh, quite a while there's been talks about we need to get more people into apprenticeships. What do you think is driving these record numbers that are signing up? I mean, yes, there are record numbers, and it really makes it a very exciting time to be working in the whole area of apprenticeships. I mean, just to give your listeners uh, an idea on a national level, I mean, there's over 9,000 approved employers over 27,000 registered apprentices, over which 2,000 of those are women apprentices, which is really great. And in addition to this, um, there were 8,012 new apprentices registered in 2023. So what this means is it means that the government targets that have been set by Minister Harris and the National Apprenticeship Office under the Action Plan for Apprenticeship they more than likely will be met and their aim was to have 10,000 apprentices registered every year by 2025. Now there's a certain number of factors driving this growth. Obviously the range of apprenticeships that are on offer, there's over 73 apprenticeships on offer so you've got the craft trades, electrical, construction, motor and engineering but we also have a range of industry sectors such as agriculture, biopharma, finance, insurance, hospitality, retail, property services. So there's this a huge offering for people who want to undertake an apprenticeship. And um, as mentioned by Minister Richmond, actually, there's funding is, is being directed towards apprenticeship. 
So you have funding to expand the capacity in training centres, and we see this reflected actually in our region. And also this funding is for a range of supports for apprentices and employers. So, for example, there's an employer grant, and that's €2,000 per apprentice per year, and that's available in over 40 apprenticeships. And there's an access and inclusion bursary, and that's available to apprentices up to €3,000, and that's for an apprentice who's completing the Access to Apprenticeship programme in TU Shannon. And there's the gender bursary payment. So it's a payment of €2,666 paid in two instalments. And how that particular payment works is, for example, if an apprentice was recruited to as a female electrician apprentice, then the employer would be entitled to the gender bursary payment because that apprenticeship, particular apprenticeship, is predominantly male. And if a male apprentice was uh, recruited into a hair salon, then that particular apprenticeship is predominantly female, so an employer will be entitled to the gender bursary payment. And what's also really good to see is there's a traveller apprenticeship incentivization scheme, and that's to support travellers to access apprenticeships, and that's available to them, and it's up to €3,000, and an additional 2000 for employers of new traveller apprenticeships, apprentices. So it so, sounds like on, on a high level there, the government have put a huge amount of resources behind this. They've really driven it, you know, on the, with those ambitious targets that they expect to meet. There's obviously a big awareness campaign has happened over the last number of years. Is the final piece, have people's perceptions changed? Because for a while it was argued that, oh, some people didn't want their son or daughter to take up an apprenticeship. People, I think, have finally twigged that it can be the route to an absolutely fantastic career, have they? I really do think perceptions have changed and a lot of that has to be done, uh, has to be uh, given credit to the National Apprenticeship Office and to Minister Harris. There's been a huge drive to create awareness around the whole area of apprenticeships. So a lot of people will have seen over the last few years a lot of traction on social media, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram and Facebook. There's been billboard campaigns. There's been a very successful Apprentice of the Year awards. And uh, a young apprentice from our region, Ronan Dunn, actually from Polarized, received an award under that, um, uh, one of the categories there. And even Workplace Champion Awards, recognizing that uh, apprentice cha- apprenticeship champions in the workplace. And events such as the World Skills Ireland event in the RDS, a huge event. And we had a stand there, Leash Off ETB, and the numbers of students that were coming in interested in apprenticeships and apprenticeship options. And what I found very often with younger students is that mum and dad and aunts and uncles and nanny and granddad, they, they didn't have these options available to them. So it's really young people who are going home and they're informing parents about these options. So even if you take, like in our region, so as regards uh, particular apprenticeships, like if you drive through a petrol, uh, it, stop off at a petrol station to get petrol. You know, we have apprentices in there undertaking a retail supervision apprenticeship at level six. Hospitality, hotels around the region, they're undertaking apprenticeships, uh, commie chef apprenticeships, sous chef apprenticeships, and estate agents. So if you go into, you know, a local estate agent, there are apprentices undertaking a level six auctioneering and property service apprenticeship. And insurance companies, a level eight honours degree, an insurance practice apprenticeship over three years. So definitely the awareness campaign has has worked and we see that reflected in our in our figures. 
Was even, and, 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 even, and raising that level of qualification that people can get over a slightly absolutely. longer period. It's, it, it, it should be a natural draw and it is, it is encouraging to see those numbers increasing because, again, we're constantly talking about skill shortages and skills gaps and that. From a point of what's coming up in 24, any kind of new courses that are really jumping out and, and, and catching people's yeah. attention? Um, the recently validated apprenticeships that were popular in, in the Leishoffley region actually are the farm technician at level six and farm manager at level seven. And in addition to that, there's sports turf management. So, for example, we have golf clubs that have been approved to train apprentices in sports turf management. So they would work with a head greenkeeper and receive a level six qualification over two years. And in addition to the 73 apprenticeships, a further 17 are in development due to start in 2024. So apprenticeships in roofing and cladding at level six, stud farm management at level seven, paramedic at level eight, firefighter, emergency medical services practitioner at level eight, and social work and civil engineering at level nine, master's level. Um, so the, the options that are, are available and the apprenticeships in development, I mean, they estimate that over 80 um, apprenticeships will be validated and on offer by the end of 2024. And it's such, and a, even, it's such a diverse list you've mentioned there. And really, there is something for everyone. For people who want to just find out and see all that in one place, what's the best place to find that online? The best thing to do is, is access the apprenticeship website. So it's www.apprenticeship.ie. And that gives an overview of every validated apprenticeship that's currently available. And if an employer wants to be approved to train apprentices, then they can submit an online application on that website. And it's in the section where it says it's to become an approved employer. And then if you were interested in pursuing an apprenticeship, what I advise to do, start off with your research. Go onto that website and really have an understanding of what's on offer. Because you could uh, be thinking of something like scaffolding or wind turbine maintenance. You know, there's the apprenticeships out there that most people haven't even thought of that were that are now available. You know, check the eligibility criteria for that particular apprenticeship. And then if there's any questions or queries, you can always come back to Apprenticeship Services at Leash Offley ETB and we'd be happy to help. Well, that sounds like an invitation, I think, and it is worth anybody exploring that, particularly this time of year when people might be looking at filling in CEO forms or looking at career changes Absolutely. at any stage as well. But Sandra, thank you for such for a comprehensive overview of, I think you've convinced me as to why there's so much growth there. And it looks like um, we're finally kind of filling that gap there and creating those courses that people need and undoubtedly be more and more new courses as time goes on. Thanks, Sandra. Okay, you're very welcome. Thanks so much, Ronan. And that's Sandra Dahl there, Senior Training Advisor, Apprenticeships at the Leash Offley Education and Training Board. Time for a quick break. After that, if you're into tourism, you have a small business or any sort of a business and you're looking to get a bit of money in and see can you develop that business over the years ahead, well, the Just Transition Fund could have some answers for you. Find out just how after this quick break. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. To say that hospitality and small tourism business have featured in the news since the start of the year is probably the understatement of this year so far. But there are supports, there are programmes, there are some really interesting initiatives, particularly under the EU Just Transition Fund, that offer opportunities for companies in those sectors. So to find out a little bit more about those, I'm glad to be joined by Paddy Matt. Choose Paddy's head of Ireland's Hidden Heartlands at Falta Ireland. Very good evening, Paddy. In your own, how are you? Paddy, in particular, there is a, an EU Just Transition Digital Transformation Programme that's open for application now. The closing it has been extended until the end of this month, I believe. Tell us more about that programme. Yeah, well, um, digital is transforming the way people book and plan their holidays 
all over the world, especially in Ireland, and a good long, online presence is now essential for all tourism businesses. And we know that more and more. It's becoming more of a trend. And it's, 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 it's table stakes now rather than something that's optional for businesses. So we, we really are looking to work with businesses right throughout the Midlands as part of the Just Transition programme to improve their digital content, their digital presence and their digital capability. So the programme that, that's open now until the end of the month and all the information for it is available on the Fall Charlin website, fallcharlin.ie forward slash just transition and there's a specific program in there it's called category four under the SME scheme and all the details are in there but there's very generous grants available um, and one-to-one expert support for businesses um, to help them over you know right throughout the next couple of years um, on uh, improving their their digital capability their digital content make them more effective more competitive in in the marketplace and drive business to them and that that scheme is open until the end of the month uh, the uh, 31st of January so we're asking people to you know go online um, get their expression of interest in it's a very short and simple application form and we're, we're asking all tourism businesses to look it up and if it interests them get in touch with us. And really, there's no business that, that effectively can't apply. I mean, I see a list of visitor experiences, accommodation providers, golf courses, destination marketing organisations. It's, it's a vast range. And um, so really, anybody that's thinking about it should get an expression of interest in quickly. Absolutely. This is a programme that, we, that, that, that we've been running nationally as well. And we've seen brilliant um, uh, results with it. And we had a pilot programme in Hidden Heartlands back in 2019, 2020, uh, just as the pandemic hit. And we, we, we had 40 businesses involved in that we invested one million into their digital um, presence, and we saw huge improvements in their cap- in, in their performance uh, as as businesses it made them you know increase efficiencies and um, increase sales. Uh, and uh, really, we we want to continue that and just get get more businesses involved in it and help them help them improve their performance as well. And yesterday, you launched the Tourism Learning Network program. Can you give us a little bit more information about that one too? That's right. That, that's a very broad ranging um, set of supports for, again, for all tourism businesses. And again, it's a really wide range of eligibility on this. And it, it, it's aimed as well at former workers from ESB and Bordenamona because of the just transition, uh, what's, what's happened with the cessation of commercial peat harvesting. We know that there are people looking for, uh, looking for other opportunities. And the whole idea of just transition is trying to help to diversify the regional economy. And by, by, um, by doing so, uh, how can tourism um, be part of that, and that's really where Falter Ireland and the Hidden Heartlands comes in. So this this range of um, uh, business supports goes from right from a basic understanding of tourism into how to have more effective marketing and sales uh, plans, uh, looking for business growth. There's a digital and technology element to, to this program as well. It's looking for imp- looking at how businesses can improve accessibility for people with with accessibility issues, uh, and then the, of course the, the the very topical area of sustainable tourism, climate action. Uh, all businesses have to address this over the coming years as well, and there's a range of supports available there. So that opened um, just a couple of days ago, and that that the um, expressions of interest for that scheme close on the 21st of February. Now it's not the only opportunity people will have there. We expect further intakes to happen in September of this year and in quarter one of next year as well. So there will be further opportunities. But again, you know, first up, best rest, as we often say, you know, so it'd be great to get in early. Uh, Any businesses that are interested in getting involved um, in that program, uh, 21st of February is is the deadline there. Again, hop on to fallcharland.ie and uh, the expression of interest form are all there. 
Yeah, sounds absolutely fantastic. And I think, yeah, it's a good it's a good way of, of getting people involved in a way. You mentioned like digital kind of permeates through everything we do. And I suppose, is it for certain generations now, TikTok is the biggest search engine or the most used search engine. So if your business maybe in tourism isn't on TikTok, you could be missing a whole tranche of customers globally too. So I'm sure big learnings for everyone. But I suppose the key message tonight is get an expression of interest in if you're in that tourism sector, get it in and, and see where it goes from there. Paddy Matthews, thank you so much for that. And looking forward to hearing much more about those programmes uh, over the year ahead. Thanks, Ron. There you go. Again, as I often say, what's your excuse now? Get on there, fill in that form, get that expression of interest in. As Paddy has said, it's a very simple process. And if you're not in, you can't win. So definitely worth looking in. Uh, that's it from me for this evening. Thank you to all the contributors to Paddy Matthews there from Ireland's Hidden Heartlands uh, at Falcha, Ireland. To Vanessa Loyola from Valley Automation. Fascinating story there at the start of the show. To uh, Minister Neil Richmond for talking about the growth uh, and job creation by local enterprise office clients over the past year, the tenth year in a row that local enterprise offices have increased the numbers of jobs created. And of course, with their widened brief now, there's more and more opportunities coming there. And just before um, um, Paddy was on there, Sandra Doyle from the LOETB talking about the success of the apprenticeship schemes, you know, the awareness campaigns, the, fun- the funding and the money that's gone behind it. They're filling a lot of those gaps. We know there's a lot more gaps to fill out there, but at least something is happening and a whole new range of apprenticeships coming on stream in 2024. Exciting times, hopefully, we go along with it, filling those skills gaps. Anyway, time for me to go. Joe Cooney is here after News at 8 with Country Roads. I'll talk to you on Taking Care of Business next week. Taking Care of Business returns next Tuesday at 7pm with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business.